Well, we're going to turn in our Bibles to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, chapter 15. It's on page 7, if you're following in the Pew Bible. I'm just going to read the same verses that I read last week. Verses 1 to 6. Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. I don't think there should be any problem in anyone finding it. And I'm going to read the first six verses. After these things, the word of the Lord came to, came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing that I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, the one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now towards the heavens, and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to Abraham, So shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and the Lord accounted him it to him for righteousness. You know, that's one of the most precious sentences in the whole of the Bible. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and God accounted it to him, accredited to him for righteousness. Now, if you remember last week, uh, I talked of the enormity. Uh, of God's expectations and the task of faith that was Abraham's as he listened to what God was promising you know when you look at that passage of scripture you can see that it's an enormous task that Abraham uh, is facing an enormous promise something that very few of us would ever be able to get our heads around that he would become the the grandfather or the father of many nations of an amount of descendants that it is impossible to number you know here is Abraham with his task of faith wondering how on earth is God going to accomplish something of that scale it's God's promise but was he up to believing it was he up to receiving it was he up to seeing it through you know he was to as I said last week he was to hitch his wagon to the stars because that is where his destiny was to be listen to what God told him look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them and he said to him so shall your de descendants be now Abraham we've looked at this story for the last couple of Sunday mornings and we are seeing that Abraham is proving himself trustworthy you know it's taking a time um, he's making some mistakes he's taking some wrong turns but on the whole Abraham is proving himself trustworthy and God is moving him on to maturity you know when uh, he called him back in chapter 12 we could see that he was a greenhorn as far as trusting God was concerned and he made many mistakes sort of uh, simple mistakes and yet we can see that God is moving on to
through adulthood in Christ or adult adulthood in God matured in him you know he, uh, he's got a long way to go yet haven't we all he's got a long way to go but he's getting there he's getting there quietly but this promise I'm going to be honest this promise was daunting to say the least because as of now and don't forget Abraham is well into his 90s at this point and Sarah is well into her 80s at this point as of now he had no children he was fruitless his wife Sarah was barren and not to put be too nasty about it she was past it she was gone her time of childbearing was a thing of the past a memory a distant memory in the dark past and here was God saying you will have a heir, an heir you will have a son from your own body and your descendants will be more numerous than the stars you know last week we dealt with that uh, first sentence in our text tonight this morning the little shaft of comfort that God had brought to him do not be afraid Abraham do not be afraid I am your shield you are exceeding great reward in other words as we saw last week God is saying what he really means is trust me and I think this is all uh, can be some the whole of Abraham's life and testimony and experience and story can be summed up in those two words trust me trust me now that's easy you know, when things are going right we can all trust God when we're on the mountain top and everything is glorious and bright and when we can see the way forward it's easy to trust God when we can see the way forward but here it is a different kettle of fish altogether now in this passage of scripture we can see Abraham giving God some advice giving him some alternatives see he's barren his wife is barren and, but he has a very trusted servant in his home his name is Eliezer and as far as Abram was concerned it's Eliezer who is the answer to this problem and he can be my heir father let Eliezer be my heir let your plans and purposes go through him you know that was the answer it was the perfect solution he was there already Abraham could trust him he was a man of integrity and therefore the whole plan of God's salvation could be trusted to Eliezer the answer was staring him in the face God why have you sort of brought this burden on me when the answer is staring you in the face Eliezer can be the one that you can carry out your purposes with you know I don't think Abraham was being rebellious or facetious uh, when he reminds God he said look you've given me no offspring I have not no offspring you haven't opened my wife's womb we have no son we have no descendant to speak of you know and we know don't we that uh, at this time he would always give the glory to God when uh, a, a, a baby comes along he would have the blame or the the, um, uh, the accolades for, for children coming along and so therefore Abraham turns it round and says you've given me no offspring 
How on earth can you fulfill this promise in me when you've given me no offspring? But I don't think Abraham was being rebellious or, or nasty or blaming God. I think on the contrary, I think he was expressing his own weakness. You know, I've heard people say, you know, that uh, God can work through you. God can do this through you. Yep. You know what I've heard people say? Oh, I wish he was with me at this point because you could have said something to that person. And yet, I think to myself, yeah, but you was there. He can work through you. Don't want to wait for some expert to come along or someone special to come along. You know, wherever God places us is where God uses us. You know, and if he didn't want us to be there, we wouldn't be there. If he didn't want to use us in this situation, we wouldn't be there. And that's how Abraham is feeling. Oh, if only, if only, if only Eliza would live before you. If only he would be your plans and purposes. I'm hopeless. I'm useless. I've got nothing to offer you, Father. You want know, you as Abraham um, expressing his own weakness and his inability to carry out this amazing promise. You know, perhaps this is a word of resignation. I wonder how many of us have resigned ourselves to not being able to be used of God. Resigned ourselves as failures. Resigned ourselves as not, not being able to get up and do the things that God would have us to do. Because that's what seems to be coming over in this statement. He's resigned himself. No, we, we all do that. We all do it uh, quite a lot. You know, and um, listen to the disciples. So you would think that they would know better. But I think you can see yourself in the disciples. Remember when Jesus told Peter to cast out into the deep. So what he said. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon... Launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for the catch. You know, and the first thing Simon said was, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. You know, it's a resignation. It's an admission of failure. We've toiled all night. We've tried that. We've done it many times before. We've been disappointed. You know, I suppose that we could point to our own experience. You know, when my experience extends through from the Bush Mission to Carmel and Merthyr and to this place. And every church I've been in, we've done it. We've been around the doors. We've testified to people. We've put leaflets out. We've preached the gospel in the open air. We've invited people to come and listen to the gospel. We've done this, we've done that, we've done the other. And we have all seen very little fruit for our labors. We've all been disappointed in one way or another. We're not, we just not get in any, getting anywhere with it all. You know, it's such a hard place. Oh, the Ronda is such a hard place. He's placed us in the worst place of all. There's nothing's going to work here. You're not going to get anywhere with us. It just can't be done. Either, says Abraham, I've interpreted this promise wrongly, or you've picked the wrong guy. You know, that's his stance at this point. I suppose we could say that. The Lord will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Ah, but we're in the Ronda. We're in the Ronda. We're declining. We're declining as a population. We're an aging population. We're not going to get anywhere in the Ronda. God has placed us in the wrong place. He's picked the wrong guys to do the work for him. What an awful place to be in. To resign yourself to failure. And to look at the times that you've tried. And think I don't want to get disappointed again. Either I've interpreted this promise wrongly. Or you've picked the wrong people. 
Now then, let's think about Abraham. What if Abraham had had lots of children up to this point? You know, what if he was talking to God in his tent, and outside there was a whole schoolroom of children that were Abraham's? You know, such a, a task that God was given to him here would be easy to believe. Of course he would. He's got raw material to start with. He's got children already. You know, and Abraham wouldn't have to trust God anymore. All he would have to trust is nature. Because by nature, families grow. It's a fact of life. If you've got children, they're going to grow. And they're going to have more children. And they're going to grow. And you're going to have more children. And they're going to grow. And Abraham could say, well, yes. Yes. That's what's going to happen. I don't need to trust God at this point. I just need to trust nature. But a family growing out of nothing is unheard of. <coughs> it has never happened before. And as far as I know, it has never happened since. A family growing out of nothing is unheard of. And therefore, here is the test of faith. You know, I hear this statement of re resignation. Uh, used hundreds of times, probably use it myself. All we can do now is pray. As if that's it. We've lost. All we can do now is pray. You've had it. Because all we can do now is pray. In other words, we've all used up all of our own resources. There's not a way forward that we can see. We've tried this, 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 and nothing has worked. And therefore, all we can do now is pray. Nothing else has worked. So all we can do now, basically speaking, is rely on God. Rely on God. But isn't that the point? Isn't, what this, isn't that what this story is all about? It's taking your eyes off your prowess, your power, your authority, your ability, your uh, resources... And putting your faith firmly into the one. <coughs> and this is what God is doing. And this is what God is saying to Abraham. Look up to the stars. Try and count them. That's how much your descendants are going to be. But Lord, I haven't got no children. I'm going to have to depend on you then. That's a novelty. I'm not going to depend on my own work. On my own strength. On my own power. I'm going to have to depend on you. You see, God needs people. He's looking for people who have absolute confidence in Him. Not in each other, although that's important. Not in yourself, although that's important. But absolute confidence in Him. You see, it's easy to have faith in God when it's all happening. You know, can you imagine... If people were coming to Christ, left, right and centre, joining Emmanuel, left, right and centre. It would be so easy to trust God and say, yes, it's working. He's doing it. It's easy when he's doing it. But do you know there's nothing more ero er heroic than to have faith in God when you can see so many other better things around you <coughs> in which to have faith. It's more heroic than to have faith in God when you can see so many other things, better things, in which to have faith in. Eliezer was there already. 
I can see Him. I can trust Him. I can vouch for Him. Take Him and use Him. So much easier to trust when something is there already. This is our only hope, says Abraham. But no, God is here. He is our only hope. Aye, but if we had more Sunday school teachers, if we had better musicians, if we had a number of evangelists, if we had people who would go door to door, if we had this, if we had that, if the other, you know, we'd be so much better off. Then that's when we see the work getting done. But no, God is here. He is our only hope. No, we could have everything in place without God. What did the psalmist say? Unless God is there building the house, the builders will build in vain. Unless God is there guarding the house, the guards will guard in vain. You know, churches can have all the resources that is known to man. If we haven't got God, then we're going nowhere. You know, we can be a small few as we are this morning. With God, we are more than conquerors. We are able to accomplish things that would blow our minds. Because Abraham did. He's an example to us. He's produced a huge family, both physical and spiritual, out of nothing. Nothing. You know, I'm going back to those tired, worn-out disciples that I talked about earlier. Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. But Peter goes on, doesn't he? Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Nevertheless, at your word. You know, that's the crux of faith. The very basis upon which we deal with God's promises. The voice of God. The voice of God. And this is what this, this passage of scripture would tell us. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying. Now that's the basis of our faith. That's the crux. That's the foundation stone. The word of the Lord came to him saying. This one that you put all your trust in. You put all your eggs in Eliezer. He was the one that's going to solve the whole thing. This one, he said, shall not be your heir. I haven't counted him in. He's not a part of this plan. But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said, you know, the word of the Lord came and told him this. And then the word of the Lord came and said, look now towards heaven. The voice of God. That's the big difference in this whole story. It's the voice of God. You know, over the last few Sunday mornings, I've talked a lot about the two sides of a Christian's life. The actual experience of life that we live on the earth. It's ups and it's downs. It's faith and it's doubt. It's success and it's failures. We all go through them. So however long we've been uh, walking with the Lord, we all go through the ups and the downs, the faiths and the doubts, the successes and the failures. Sometimes we feel that we have failed too many times. That's how we are. But then there's the other side of us. The side that God sees. You know what I've called that this last couple of weeks? The reality of what God says about us. And even though we are failures, and even though we mess up, 
even though we're up and down and up and down God sees us in a certain position seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus says Paul again in Colossians he says that we are complete in him the finished article as far as God is concerned we are the finished article being sealed for eternity isn't that amazing yeah but I I fallen I messed up yeah but you're sealed for eternity says God and then of course it says that we are sons of the living God sons of the living God look at me check my life out examine me look at my mind my thoughts and my motives and my actions do I look like a son of God to you of course I don't I just look like Norman Joe Bloggs along the street I got the same failures I got the same problems I got the same issues as everyone else in the world but God says no you're the son of God you one of mine you are one of mine I've called you I've saved you I've raised you to sit in heavenly places I'm preparing a place for you you're my son I love you I protect you I adore you and there's the, the sort of the, um, the contradiction between what we are in, in sort of actual life and what God sees us in reality you want the life of faith or could we say the battle of faith exists in our choice as to which of these two conflicting lifestyles is the most real to us what we see and experience as opposed to what God says that's Abraham the, the, the example is perfect to see Abraham old and agad his wife old and agad not a nappy insight now actually I'm dead it says in Romans that he looked at his body and says I'm as good as dead and he looked at his wife and thought no 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 way that's my actual experience but God's reality said you will be a father and she will be a mother and you look at it and think you can't put the two together but faith the battle of faith is which one will you choose will you choose the actual or will you choose the real will you choose what you can see and what you know and what you think or will you choose what God says and that's the battle of faith always in every circumstance that we live in we have a choice to make whether to trust in our actuality or to trust in the word of God because the two are diametrically opposed you want it as those whose lives are exhibited by their faith are the ones who will trust God for what he says after all that's how it works Paul says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God you know wouldn't it be great if that verse said faith comes by seeing that would be wonderful faith comes by <coughs> seeing because it's easier to see something than to believe something do you know Jesse David's father is not 
our example of faith. Never is mentioned as the example of faith in the scriptures. Why? Well, because he had seven sons already. He could see them all. He knew them all. God wanted one of them. Do you know that's a privilege for him? It wasn't a test of his faith. It was a privilege. Abraham had no sons. And God wanted all of them. That's faith. That's faith. It's not a privilege. It's faith. And here he is looking up to the vastness of heaven. And he counts to, starts to count the stars and finds it a futile exercise. But more importantly, he has a choice to make. Is he going with his actual experience? Which tells him that it's impossible? Or is he going to walk in the heavenlies? Where God is and reality exists. And trust him. Now to make it harder of course. God knocks his only standby away, his prop. Eliezer was his prop. This is, this is his way out clause. I'm going to trust in Eliezer. But of course, this one shall not be your heir. But one who will come from your own body will be your heir. You know, so that's the solution, God. That's my part, God. That's my opinion, God. That's my plan, God. All I can do now is pray. Abraham, look now towards heaven. Take your eyes off yourself, your circumstance, your prowess, and your failings. Look now towards heaven. What did he see? What did he see when he looked towards heaven? Well, let's ask the psalmist. Because he tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens, another psalmist says, the heavens declare his righteousness and all the peoples will see his glory the psalmist, the verse that we are more familiar with the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork look up each night and what you see is the handiwork of God that's amazing his handiwork you see the whole discipline of faith is to mix together the light of the heavens and the sordid actuality of the earth and whatever we build on earth must be mixed with the altitude of heaven as we contemplate the stars take your wagon says God out of the rut and hitch it to the stars you know in our personal lives the great solution is always found in the words of Jesus Christ the incarnate God the indwelling God. He's here. He's within us. He speaks to us. Who do we listen to? Do we listen to our eyes? Do we listen to our ears? Do we listen to our thoughts? Do we listen to our, action, our actions? Or do we listen to that still small voice? The one who speaks. What does he say? I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You are mine. I paid a price for you. I saved you. I'm keeping you. I sealed you for eternity. I'm preparing a place for you. I've planted in heaven your inheritance. I'm keeping you safe until you get there. And I'm keeping it safe until you see it. Aye, but I'm so fickle. I'm up and down. I mess up. I fall out of faith. I sin. I say things. I do things. I think things. How on earth am I ever going to get there with you? Because I say to you, I have saved you. You didn't save yourself. I saved you. 
I keep you. You don't keep yourself. I keep you. I prepare a place in heaven for you. You don't do it. I do. You and the onus has gone completely off me and this sordid life that I'm living and to this amazing revelation of God Himself who's on my case all the time doing it for me. Not with me. For me. And I thank God that He's about His business. Yes, I'm about, I'm about His business as much as possible. But I thank God that my place in heaven doesn't depend on me being about His business. It means it depends on Him being about His business. He's the one that's doing it. Abraham, you have got no way of bringing children into the world. But I'm on the case. I'm doing it. I will receive the glory for this child that will come through through you and he believed the last little line this amazing line and he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him or he accredited it to him for righteousness this is the moment when Abraham steps out of himself and relies entirely upon God you know in this situation of course it was for children for offspring for a nation to come from his loins I can't do it Lord it's down to you but he also as we look at this passage of scripture we can also see that it's the moment when Abraham steps out of himself and relies entirely upon God for his righteousness and is standing with God I said at the very beginning that, that Abraham had done many noble things in his life and as we go through the story over the next few Sunday mornings we will see that he will continue to do noble things in his life. He had very noble qualities, displayed many virtues. But none of those things, let me read the scriptures, none of those things, not one of those things, brought him a righteous standard before God. This passage tells us the lack in Abraham is supplied through his living confidence in God. We are justified. And indeed everyone else is justified by faith. And faith alone. Paul tells us in Romans. But now the righteousness of God. Apart from the Lord is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God. Through faith. In Jesus Christ. To all. And on all. Who believe. I thank God for. The doctrine, justification by faith. Because I tell you this, if it depended on my good works, I'd never get there. If it depended upon my charity, I'd never get there. If it depended upon my perseverance, I'd never get there. I am justified by faith. Amen. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this passage this morning is the first germ of this great doctrine <coughs> Isaiah and Jeremiah they use this phrase the Lord is our righteousness why am I accepted in the beloved why can I stand at the floor of grace why am I welcomed into God's heaven because I'm righteous no because the Lord is my righteousness he is the one that God looks at and sees absolute perfection and because I'm in Christ then I am the same as him. And I will walk boldly into the throne 
of grace. It's the guiltless position that we take up in the presence of justice and righteousness. And it's God's doing from start to finish. Or Paul again says, not of works, lest anyone should boast, but by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. <coughs> no, it's hard to believe that I'm perfect in Christ. Perfect in God's sight. It's hard to believe. No, I know myself. No, my wife could come out here and tell you all the failings that I have. My mother knows me. My brother knows me. You all know me. My second cousin, who has popped into our church this morning, knows me. And he, I've worked in the underground, he knows that I'm not perfect. But in God's sight, in God's economy, I'm the finished article. Do I believe that? It's difficult to believe it. But when I contemplate the stars, that's when I can see clearly. And I pray that we, like Abraham, will take our eyes off the right, take our eyes off the actual, and hitch our wagon to the star. Because it's from there comes our strength. It's from there comes our redemption. It's from there comes the keeping power that will keep us for eternity. It's from there all that we need comes. All we can do is pray. Thank God for that. Yeah.